Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. As Todd said, my name is Emilio. I have the privilege of serving here as the youth ministry director. And it's an honor to get to preach this morning because I get to be the last preacher you hear from in 2023. <laughs> the past four weeks, we as a church uh, celebrated Advent. We with the global church celebrated uh, as we waited for his coming, for his birth. And, and we wait now for his return, the return of the Messiah. So it seems appropriate as we look forward to the new year that we look forward to his, his coming back. Also, I love that I get to be the one that closes his sermon with, see you next year. But more than that, I love that I get to help us look back on what God has done the past 10 years. And I get to look forward to what I believe God is going to do in the next 10 and beyond. Just so you know, in the past 10 years, here at Christ Central Church, we've seen this church grow from a group of 30 who would meet with pastors Daniel and Timothy regularly, hearing the word of God preached, break bread together. It's now a church that weekly has an attendance of almost a thousand people. I say that not because we're a church about numbers, but because that many people are hearing the gospel every Sunday. In the last 10 years, we've seen families grow. We've seen more and more students come to church to hear the gospel. Uh, beginning next month at Central Youth, we're starting a high school ministry. That's right. These four-year-olds you came with 10 years ago, they're in high school now. As a church, we've seen around 200 communing and non-communing members baptized here. We have served thousands of people in our community, in our city, through home repairs, the Christmas market, family advocacy ministry, educational partnerships, and many, many more. Over the past 10 years, God has been good, and he has moved in and through Christ Central Church, and I truly believe that the best is yet to come. So with that in mind, here's my question for you. What are you doing next year? What are you doing next year? Maybe you hear that and your mind immediately goes to your New Year's resolution. Like Evan, uh, I am not one of those people. If, if you're one of those who can make a New Year's resolution and keep it, God bless you. I'm, I am giving up fried food, and I know I'm going to have fried chicken tonight. Like, that's just, that's what's happening. But what are you doing next year? My wife and I, six or seven years ago, we decided that uh, what we were going to do the next year was going to be what we were going to do for all the years to come. We decided that we weren't going to do a resolution, but we were going to be about something specifically. We we're going to be uh, about something for the kingdom. So we prayed about a verse that would be the, the official Casa de Hood verse. And we prayed and, and we came across 1 John 4 11, which says, Beloved, therefore, since God first loved us, we also ought to love one another. So that became our verse. That became what we would do for the kingdom. We were going to be a house that loved people. If you were to ask my four kids, what do hoods do? They would proudly tell you that hoods love people. And I don't know if it's possible to humbly say this, but I'm going to. I think we're pretty good at it. I, I said it. Uh, what does it mean to love? You can go to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which, where, where Paul writes, and the verses that you hear at weddings where he writes that love is patient and love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. And I think, I truly believe that our family does that pretty well. We strive to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
But this morning, I wonder if that's enough. I wonder because when I read the Gospels, when I look at the life of Jesus, I see a life of love that is more than just patience and kindness and compassion. But I see a love that has a purpose. I see a love that is sacrificial. And I wonder if that describes me, church. I wonder if that describes us. I wonder if we confuse doing a good thing with loving purposefully. I wonder if we are willing to, to lovingly sacrifice. I wonder what it looks like for us to love with a purpose, to love uh, sacrificially. And as we enter into this new year and this next chapter of the life of our church, those are the questions we're going to ask this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 20. And I want to invite you to stand for our custom here at Christ Central Church as we hear God's Word. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Jesus, we praise you this morning for your word. May we hear it not only with our ears, but with our hearts. May we apply it into our lives this morning, tomorrow, and this next year, and the years to come. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. For my friends who are avid note takers, here are my three points this morning. One, we are called to love with a purpose. Two, loving with a purpose takes sacrifice. Three, to love with a purpose can bring comfort. We're called to love with a purpose. Loving with a purpose takes sacrifice. To love with a purpose can bring comfort. Now this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. In fact, it's, it's one that I will often uh, preach from when I'm speaking to other youth directors, other youth pastors, student ministry leaders, or even our volunteers here at Central Youth. But it's not one that I've preached in front of a church. And if I could be honest, it's not one that I've heard preached at any church. I, I don't know why, but here's why I felt called this morning to preach from Acts 20, because I believe that it gives us an idea of what loving with a purpose can look like. You see, by the time we get to Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul is already on his third missionary journey. And he's at this point already met up with Luke, the author of the gospel of Luke, but also the author of this book we're reading from today, the book of Acts. And I love the book of Acts. Anyone who knows me knows this is my favorite book in the Bible. I love everything about it. I love the history of the early church. I love the ascension of Jesus. I love the Pentecost. I love Paul's conversion from Saul. I even love the Jerusalem Council. I love it all. But these verses in the book of Acts somehow slip through the cracks. 
But here we are this morning, and we're going to read it, and we're going to apply it to our lives. Because Paul has shown up in Troas, where he and Luke and others had just spent a week. And in verse 7, the, the setting is set for us. Luke writes that on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to, to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So Paul, Luke, the disciples, they gathered together on the first day of the week. Scholars will often use this verse when talking about the early church and how they met on Sundays. They will go back to this verse as the reason why we meet on Sundays. In this verse, we get a glimpse of what the early church would have looked like, similar to what Christ Central looked like 10 years ago. Followers of Jesus who would gather together on the first day, who would break bread, who would have communion together, who would hear the word of God preached. And then I love this little detail that's mentioned that Paul not only talked with them, he prolonged his speech. Paul, he went long. And let me assure you, I'm not going to go super long today. But Paul went long. Paul, who was arguably the greatest missionary, the greatest evangelist, the greatest church planter the world has ever known, he, he went long. And he never claimed to be a great communicator of the gospel. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10.10, he himself would write, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. He was not known as a great preacher. And here in Turas, he is now committing the cardinal sin of preaching by going long. I bet he even said, last thing, ten times. <laughs> but Paul is prolonging his preaching to the local church. And then we get to this seemingly random verse in verse 8, which at first glance, even in context of what we've been reading, uh, seems completely random. Hear it again. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. Now, if you didn't know better, you would think that Luke is simply wanting us to know that this upper room where they were meeting was aesthetically pleasing. But there are no random verses in Scripture. Remember what happens next, that a young man, Eutychus, would fall asleep, fall out of the window to his death. Webster and Wilkinson in their commentary say this, that it is not a mere piece of graphic detail by an eyewitness, but mentioned probably as increasing the heat and contributing to drowsiness. They're saying that the lamps and the heat from them would have made Eutychus sleepy. Another commentary uh, talks about gas being emitted from these lamps that may have led to his drowsiness. And yet one commentary that I read says this, says this, that Luke's reference to many lamps or torches in that upstairs room may be taken to suggest that a lack of oxygen from the gas and the hypnotic effect of flickering flames may have caused Eutychus's drowsiness. This idea that Eutychus would have been distracted or attracted to the flickering light, and that that was the reason that he fell asleep, fallen to his death, is interesting to me. And here's why. Because as I read this verse and I read the commentaries about it, it's hard for me to not think about our lives today and how things really aren't that different. Flickering lights play a huge role in our society, society today. But the difference is that our flickering lights don't come from a lamp. They come from the phones in our pocket. Now, here's the temptation to hear that, 
to remember that we're talking about Eutychus, this young man, not one of the elders, not one of the adults in the room. Our temptations to look at this verse, to hear and to make a connection between those lights, our phones, and, and the next generation. We're probably thinking to ourselves, yeah, Gen Z. They don't call them iGen for nothing. And you would be right. I've been in student ministry for 20 years. I'm now a parent of a teenager. And I can tell you that the next gen loves their phone. They love screens. Barna did some research and they would tell you that on average a teenager spends nine hours a day on their screens. Nine hours. But guess where they learn it from? Because Gen Z is the first generation to be raised by parents who had iPhones. Meaning, they don't have a memory without us holding a smartphone. I remember one night my daughter was looking down on her phone while we were sitting in the living room. She wouldn't look up. And me being the great dad that I am, I called her out on it and said, I said, uh, would you like to be a part of the conversation? Why don't you get off your phone for a minute? And under her breath, she says, I learned it from you. And she was right. She was grounded, but she was right. <laughs> Let me confess to you this morning. It is easy for me to relate to Eutychus falling asleep to a flickering light. I would love to think that I fall asleep to, to the heat of my warm blanket in the fireplace, but the truth is I fall asleep scrolling through Instagram through text messages, through my ESPN fantasy football scores that never go well. Maybe for you it's not a phone or social media, but I wonder what are those things in your life? I wonder what are those things in our life that distract us to the point that we are falling asleep? Not just physically in the moment, but maybe spiritually as well. The truth is that Acts 20 verse 8, which is first reads as a random throwaway verse, is important to our story because it serves as a reminder to us that it does not take seemingly much to distract us to the point where we fall asleep. And for some of us, whatever it is that is distracting us, that it may have us in a deep overcoming sleep. Listen to verse 9. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now I love the name Eutychus because translated, it means lucky. This lucky kid was gathered with the men and women in the upper room, listening to Paul teach, listening as Paul gave his final instructions to the church. And, and we don't know if Eutychus went on his own. We don't know if Eutychus's parents drug him to church that day. But we know that he was there in an upper room with the lamps flickering, heating the room, and that he falls asleep as Paul talks still longer. Now, apparently, lots of preachers will use these verses uh, to preach their congregation, don't fall asleep during the sermon. In fact, a lot of scholars think that, that Luke may have wrote verse 8 about the lamps to let us know that it actually wasn't Paul's preaching that bored the kid, that it was just lamps. 
Regardless, we know that Eutychus falls into a deep sleep, so deep that he is in fact overcome by it. That word overcome in the Greek is katapharo, which means to be brought down. Eutychus here is brought down by this sleep. And because of it, and because of his decision to sit at the window, he would fall and fall to his death. Now you probably already know this, but in case you don't, an important detail to know in regards to Luke is that he is not just the writer of the book of Acts. He is not just a scholar, but, but most theologians believe that Luke was in fact a doctor. And I tell you this so that you know that when he writes in verse 9 that Eutychus is taken up dead, this isn't an exaggeration. This isn't to say, Eutychus fell and man, it was bad. His expert opinion is that Eutychus was dead. His fall and his death would bring this early church meeting to a sudden halt as everyone would run down to see for themselves what Luke already knows. And church, here's my conviction this morning. Like the group in Troas, we are here this morning and we're gathered together. We're hearing the preaching of the word. Soon we'll break bread and have communion together. Just like what was happening back then. But where I fear we differ is in this sense of urgency we see from the early church. This young man has fallen to his death and the people run out. And here's where I'm getting at. We live in a world today where many around us are spiritually speaking dead. There are many around us who don't know Jesus, who don't know about the hope and the love, the joy, the peace, the light that we spent the last four weeks talking about. And yet I don't often see us running out of church on a Sunday morning to check on them or to try to do anything about it. And I don't mean to say this to call us out, but maybe I do. Maybe this is what we need to hear this morning is we prepare not only to run out of church this morning, but as we prepare to run into a new year. We, church, are called to love with a purpose. Acts 20.10, But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Another translation says that Paul said, Do not be alarmed, he is alive. Paul does not just stay put. He runs down with everyone, but Paul has a purpose when he runs down. And his purpose is, is to declare life into Eutychus. His purpose is to declare life into this boy. And believe it or not, this is not the first time we see this in Scripture. In 1 Kings 17, the great prophet Elijah would bend over the body of a young man who had been dead, declaring life into him, breathing life into him. Soon, his, his disciple Elisha in 2 Kings 4 would do the same. He would go to a young man who was dead and he would declare life, breathe life into him. And now Paul does the same thing, mirroring the prophets of old by leaning over Eutychus and declaring life. Church, what would it look like for us to mirror Paul, to mirror Elijah and Elisha? What would it look like for us to love with a purpose that meant running out of these doors and declaring life over people who are spiritually dead? A few years ago, I was coaching a middle school soccer team, and I would tell them every day to run with a purpose. In practice, run with a purpose. In games, run with a purpose. The idea being to run for a reason and for there to be intentionality to the running. Not just running to run. We weren't a track team. 
but running to create space, running to get open, running to score a goal, running to get back on defense, running to do whatever needed to be done to help the team. Church, I think that to love with a purpose means to love intentionally and to love for a reason. I think that to love with a purpose means that we have to have a gospel-driven intentionality with how we talk to people, love people, act around them. And the reason that we have a gospel-driven intentionality is because there is a city outside these walls who need to hear the gospel. They need the good news. It means that we love pointing people to the gospel. It means that we love by being bold in how we talk to people or invite people or act around them. We love because we know that the reason we can love is because God is love and we, Christ Central Church, know God. It means that we love in such a way that the gospel would be known because we know that the gospel is the only thing that can truly give life. We are called to love with a purpose like Paul and Elijah and Elisha and like Jesus. And we are to declare life, eternal life, to those around us who are spiritually dead. That is the call. That is our purpose. That is my prayer for our church in 2024. But it will not be easy. Remember my second point, that to love with a purpose takes sacrifice. The word sacrifice is defined as an act of offering to a deity, something precious, or the destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. Church, I think there's two things that we need to be ready to sacrifice if we're to love with a purpose. One, our time. And two, our reputation. Are you willing to make time to share the gospel? Or will you be too busy? Are you willing to make time to run down or are you going to stay put? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line to risk your status? Because here's the truth. Sometimes in our sacrifice, we will be served a plate of rejection. We will be served a plate of humiliation. But in those times, we can remember that Jesus was rejected by those whom he loved, those whom he came to be saved. Jesus faced humiliation in that he left the throne of heaven to be born in a manger, to live the life with man, and to die a criminal's death. Church, if Jesus can be rejected and humiliated for the gospel, then so can we. Paul had a reputation for being one who was against the followers of Jesus, a reputation of being well-respected in society. But after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus, he pushed his reputation aside. Why? For the sake of making Jesus known. He made time wherever he was, even if it meant staying for a while, way past midnight. He was often rejected, often on the run from people who wanted him arrested, beaten, or dead. And yet he kept going for the sake of the gospel church. Are you willing to keep going? Are you willing to make sacrifices for the sake of loving with a purpose? If so, hear this, because when we love with a purpose, we bring comfort in the name of Jesus Christ. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Church, I told you at the beginning that love is something that my family takes serious. And sometimes it's simple. It's, it's us uh, walking in our neighborhood and me smiling and waving at every car that goes by. My son will go, do you know them? I'll say, no, I don't. He's like, why do you wave? I said, I don't know. 
Sometimes it's us stopping at, at the neighbor's house just because they happen to be outside. Sometimes loving with a purpose means inviting. Our kids are good at inviting, whether that's to church or to central youth or to something else. My daughter Grace invited one of her friends to, to come to our Friendsgiving event, and it was incredible to watch them embrace as she showed up and then worship together. Sometimes to love with a purpose means getting uncomfortable. In 2020, in the height of all the racial tension happening in our country, my wife started a group in our neighborhood, white women, black women, Korean women, Jewish women, for the sake of having healthy, real, and often hard conversations. Sometimes loving with a purpose means getting uncomfortable. But I'll tell you this. This is what I've seen. This is what I've learned over the years. That when we are willing to lovingly make time for people, stop for people, invite people in, something amazing happens. People begin to get comfortable with the gospel. They begin to get comfortable with Jesus. They begin to get comfortable with you. In Acts 20, after Paul speaks life into Eutychus, they all go back upstairs, break bread together, eating a meal together, and they would continue to hear from Paul, soaking in everything that he has to offer until he has to leave. And then they take Eutychus, young, lucky Eutychus, away alive. And they were all greatly comforted. When we live with a purpose, loving intentionally and sacrificially, I truly believe that those around us will be amazed and comforted and prayerfully like Eutychus, alive in Jesus. So tomorrow morning we wake up. It'll be a new day. It'll be a new year. How will it be different than this past? How will it be different than yesterday? My prayer is that this next year we would love intentionally, that we would love with a purpose, that we would love sacrificially, that we, we would bring comfort into our city. My prayer is that Christ Central will be a church that stands and declares that this city, the city of Durham, is alive in Christ. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that in your name we can declare life. Would you use us for your glory, for your kingdom, as we run out these doors today and into a new year. Jesus, we love you. Amen.